I'm, I'm like, man, I'm telling you, I, I don't know what the Lord's been doing in my life, but I, have, I don't think I've been more excited to preach than I have been over the last about month and a half, two months. I just feel like the Lord is just speaking right now. Is anybody else hearing the Lord? Like, no? Just a couple people? Okay, just me and Sarai. Me and Sarai are hearing the Lord. That's good. Anybody else hearing the Lord? I mean, I just feel like the, the voice of the Lord is so loud right now. Like, it's hard not to hear him. Like, it's hard to miss Jesus. He's speaking so loud. It's like everywhere I go, he's just talking and talking. And, and the things that he's saying is so life-changing for me. And I, I, was driving, I was driving here this evening, and I was like, man, I feel like over the last few months, I just, I'm just now getting to meet Jesus. <laughs> you know, like, I've been saved for years and years and years, but I feel like over the last few months, I'm just now understanding who Jesus is. And it's been so much fun. And I'm so excited to share this message with you. Uh, a couple of we weeks ago, I, I talked about the art of knowing. And we talked about um, why it's important as a Christian to know the Lord. And then we talked about how you know the Lord. Um, tonight, I actually want to do the opposite end of that coin. I want to flip that coin over. And I want to talk about how the Lord knows you. Because how many know in a relationship, it goes both ways, right? You don't just invest into your relationship. You're, if you're a husband and a wife, a spouse here tonight, you both have to invest equally into that relationship or else it won't succeed. And so there's not just this idea where we have to know the Lord, but there's also this reality that we have to be known by him. Amen? Amen. And I, what I want to talk to, about tonight is a little, it's a little weird to think about how God knows us because the Bible says that he knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb, right? Like he knows how many hairs are on our head or are not on our head, um, but he knows everything about us, right? It's one of those things where it's like, how does God know me when he, how do I allow God to know me when he knows everything about me? And there's a difference between knowing about, remember we talked about this last week, there's a difference between knowing facts about somebody and being intimately known by them. And this is the difference tonight. Like Jesus even says it. There'll be people on that day who try to come into heaven, and Jesus says this, I, I don't know you. Of course, he, he knows who they are, but he was not intimate. He didn't have a relationship with them. And this is what I want to talk to us tonight about, how to be known by God. And I want to take you to this scripture verse. It's in Isaiah chapter 66, the very last chapter in the book of Isaiah. We're going to look at the first two verses. So Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 and 2. It says this, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things for, for all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. Watch this. This is really cool. In verse 2, it says this. But on this one will I look. But on this one will I look. So this is what God's saying. He's saying, I will turn my face toward this individual. This phrase here, but on this one will I look. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to like, somebody called my name. I'm going I'm to look at them. This, this phrase literally means to look upon favorably. How many want God to look upon you favorably? Come on. When God looks at me, I don't want disdain on his face. I don't want contempt on his face. I want him to look upon me favorably. And this is, this is what God's saying. But on this one will I look. On him who is poor and of contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Let's take a moment and soak that in. This is how we receive the favorable glance from heaven is when we are poor and of contrite spirit, and when we tremble at the word of God. So the idea for tonight, I'm going to give it to you now, if you want to write it down or take a picture of it, the idea for tonight is this, know the Lord and be known by him. 
Know the Lord and be known by him. This is the objective, this is the goal of Christians is to know who God is and for God to know who you are. I wanna be known by God. So join me in prayer tonight. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done in our life. We thank you, God, that you have your eye on us, that you know us, and, and I ask tonight that you would teach us how to posture our life to be completely open to you, God, that we can be known by you, that not a moment would go by, like, God, let not us be like Adam and Eve who try to hide ourselves away from your presence, God, but let us be fully open to be known by you. Holy Spirit, would you bring us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this room tonight? Would you let us know you and see you and be changed by your word? God, we love you and we cherish your word so much. We bless your holy name. In your name I pray. Everyone said amen Amen and amen. So there's three things. If you can go back to that scripture verse real quick, Ron, in Isaiah 66. There's three things that Isaiah writes down. He says this, but on this one will I look, on him who is poor, Is anybody poor in here? Don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. This is not talking about bank account poor, right? Jesus is not saying those of you who don't have any money in your bank account, I'm going to look at you. That would be nice because for some of us in this room, that would merit some glances from heaven because our bank account is lacking. I know mine is a little bit. But that's not what he's talking about here. That word poor literally means this, humble. What Jesus is talking about is humility. Those who are humble he will look upon. So we're going to talk about that. The second thing he, he mentions is a contrite spirit. Has anybody heard of this, this term contrite in the Bible? Anybody wave at me? All right, a couple people contrite. I, I didn't really know what this word meant. It kind of sounds interesting. So we're going to dive into that and understand what that means. And then, oh, go, go back, go back, go back. Y'all are getting ahead of me. And then the last thing we're going to talk about is who trembles at my word. That sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> But I promise you, when you as a Christian learn how to tremble at the word of God and you fear the word of God, it is to your advantage and to your benefit. And it actually produces friendship with God in your life. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. But let's start out, start out looking at humility. Go to humility for me, if you wouldn't mind. So here's what you have to know about humility. Walking humbly before the Lord means to be honest before him. Can everyone say Honest honest. So when you walk humbly before the Lord, what you're doing is you're walking honestly before him. So the opposite of humility, right, is pride. And pride, all pride really is, is having an inaccurate view of who you are, right? So for example, Satan, when he was in heaven worshiping God, he had an inaccurate view of who he was because he wanted to be God. Right? He wanted to receive worship. He didn't want to give worship. And so he had an inaccurate view of who he was, thus making him prideful, thus getting kicked out of heaven. Right? And, and a lot of times we associate pride with just arrogance and kind of thinking too highly of yourself. But I, I, want, to kind of, I want to kind of burst your bubble here tonight. Some of, sometimes we can jump on the other side of things and be very insecure and almost like we can almost like demean ourselves to, in attempts to be humble. Does anybody know anybody like that that just like kind of beats themselves up and attempts to be humble? And it's like, listen, that's not humility. That's just as much pride as arrogance is. Why? Because you have a false view and you're saying false things about who you are, even if they're negative. Even if you're saying I'm not good enough. Even if you're saying I can't do that. Even if you're saying I'm bad, I'm ugly, I'm stupid. That's pride. That you're saying untrue things about who you are. And so when you and I walk in humility with the Lord, what that means is simply this, that we are walking in complete and utter honesty with Jesus. 
We are being open and honest and transparent before him. Walking humbly before the Lord means to be honest before him. Now, I want to I show us just some contrasting lifestyles here um, between Saul and David. And we know the story between Saul and David. We know that Saul was rejected by God, and we know that David was accepted by God. Um, but, but one of the key reasons why Saul was rejected and David was accepted was Saul was prideful and David was humble. Really, that's it, because both of them made really terrible mistakes, right? Both of them did stupid things. David probably did some worse things than Saul, honestly. If you really look at it, David kind of messed up more, but he was humble before the Lord. So, so look at this. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, this is, this is a, when, when Saul disobeys the word of the Lord, where Samuel comes and says, what is this bleeding of sheep that I hear? You didn't kill all the cattle. You didn't kill King Agag. You, you disobeyed the word of the Lord. And it, goes, it says this in verse 30. Then he said, this is Saul saying this, I have sinned. So he's admitting his mistake. I have sinned. And then he says this, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel. What is Saul saying here? He's saying, Samuel, if you wouldn't mind, would you, would you just sweep this under the rug for me? Because I don't want people to really see who I am. I want to project something that is untrue about who I am. I've sinned. I'll admit to you, Samuel, but would you, just, would you just come with me in worship so that everybody else will think that God is with me? It says, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Saul was so concerned with what other people thought of him that he lied, not just to Samuel, not just to the people of Israel, but he tried to lie to the Lord. <laughs> How many know you can't do that? He sees through that stuff, right? And this is the problem that I think a lot of Christians have is because we are so good at coming into church on Sundays and like wearing our, our mask, right? And we, we come to church and we say, oh man, I'm, I'm doing so great. I'm blessed and highly favored. This is awesome. I'm having, having the best week of my life. And it's like, no, you're not. You just got laid off. You know, you, you're having a terrible week. Things are not going right. But we, we put on this mask in front of people because we're terrified of the fact that someone else will know how broken we are. We're so scared that somebody else in this room might think that we have doubt or might think that we have insecurity or might think that we're struggling with something. Oh my goodness, I, 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 can, I cannot let you guys know that I'm human. Oh my goodness, if you knew that I was human, I don't know what would happen, right? Because we're all human, we all mess up, but we wear this weird mask when we come to church. And what happens is we translate that mask because this is one of our only religious environments. We translate that Sunday morning mask to a Monday morning with Jesus mask. And we try to wear the same mask with Jesus that we wear here. And I love having conversations with children because children are unable or they don't care about lying. They don't care about faking things, you know? I had this conversation with a kid a couple years ago, and he came to me. We were here in this building. I was in the foyer, and he came up to me and said, Pastor Dom, I don't know if I believe in God. And I kind of looked around. I'm like, where is your parents at? Like, what is going on in your household, right? But like, do you know who I am? I'm the pastor, man. You can't tell me those things. But that was a genuine question, right? And, and adults, we would never, we would never vocalize that, especially to the pastor. You would never say that. But how many times in your life have you experienced doubt? Come on, be honest. How many times have you doubted? Man, I doubt like almost all the time. There's, there's these insecurities and these doubts that come over me. And I'm like, man, God, are you, are you you're real, right? 
you're real? Okay, like these moments of questioning, these moments of like, oh my goodness, God, I gotta wrestle with this, or I have these difficult questions, but we never really let those things out, right? We suppress them and we pray in our Christianese, and, and some Christians pray like totally different than they talk. Have anybody heard a Christian pray like that? It's like you come to, you, you start talking and then you just start praying and you're like, thou Father, thou glorious Father. And you start talking in the New King James Version, you know, and it's like, you don't, you don't talk like that. But what is that? that that's, that's being prideful before the Lord. That's projecting somebody that you're not before the Lord. And, and the Lord's saying, listen, I, I don't want to know, I, I can't know you that way. Like if you're going to try to hide from me and you're not going to be honest, then I, I can't know you that way. But let's look at what David does in Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is what David writes after he messes up with Bathsheba and he just, he, you know, he does a lot of terrible things and the prophet Nathan comes to him and rebukes him and the Bible says that this is what David writes here in Psalms 51, verse 10 and 11. He says this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David wasn't concerned with what Saul was concerned with. Saul was okay with losing the presence as long as the people didn't find out. David didn't care. He didn't even mention the people here. He didn't want to lose the presence of God. And this is the difference here. This is what's the difference between Saul and David, that David had an open and honest heart before the Lord. He came before the Lord and says, listen, I messed up. I'm sinful. Would you fix my heart? Would you cleanse me, God? Would you renew in me a right spirit? And this is what walking with humility with the Lord looks like. It's being open and honest before God, not allowing the enemy to lie to you and say, you can't ask God those questions. Man, I know all of us in this room, we have tough questions. And can I tell you, God is not intimidated by those questions. He's not insecure. He's not like, oh man, I really hope Lisa doesn't ask me this because I don't have an answer for this. What? No, man, he wants to know what you're wrestling with. He wants to know what you're struggling with. When you pray and you're frustrated, don't just pretend like everything's great. Tell God your frustrations. Tell God your insecurities. Tell God your struggles. This is what being open and honest before the Lord looks like. This is how you're known by him. Not pretending that everything's perfect, not just reciting the Lord's prayer and not as if it's your own prayer, but, but really opening your heart before the Lord and say, God, I'm struggling with bitterness. God, I'm struggling with lust. God, I'm struggling with these sins. God, I'm struggling with doubt. Would you help me? And God's saying, man, this is how I know you. Not when you put on your mask and come before me. I don't want any part of that, but I want to know what's deep inside of your heart. If you desire to be known by God, you must be honest before him. If you desire to be known by God, you have to be open and honest with the Lord before him. Here's the second thing we're going to talk about tonight. The contrite spirit, contrite spirit. Here's what it means. Here's what this, this phrase means. To be contrite before the Lord means to live a repentant life. When you're contrite before the Lord, it means to live a repentant life. Now you have to be careful with this because a lot of times what will happen is people will grab this idea and they will live their lives beating themselves over the back, like disciplining themselves and being down on themselves and, and almost doing it in a, an attempt to merit or earn some sort of salvation or sanctification. 
But living a repentant life doesn't mean that you walk around sad and, and sorrowful and saying, God, I'm such a wicked, terrible person. Oh my goodness, God, I'm so awful. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? No, no, no. That's not what this means. Contrition is not a means to salvation, but a posture before the holy God. When you're contrite, what you have to understand is that that is not a, a way to receive salvation because we know this, that salvation comes only by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that you and I can do, no matter how much we repent or no matter how holy we live, there's nothing there that merits or gains us access to salvation. It's only by the blood. But when we live a contrite life, what that means is that we're taking an appropriate posture before the holy God. Uh, let me give you an example here this way. I heard this example used, and I thought it was so beautiful. Um, but Emily and I, we got married about eight years ago this year, right? And the day that we got married, when we said our vows and we exchanged rings and we, you know, I got to kiss her in front of all of our family, which was, you know, I feel like that's just kind of weird sometimes. It's like, okay, just make out with your wife right there in front of all of your, your parents and everything. It's like, okay, let's go. Um, but I kissed her, we sealed the covenant, you know, we're, we're husband and wife. From that moment on, from that moment, we, she became my wife, right? In that moment. So Emily doesn't now live her life in attempts to gain the position of my wife. Does that make sense? She doesn't try to earn the position of my, life, my wife. Why? Because that position was granted on that day eight years ago. There's nothing, like in 20 more years, she's not going to be more of my wife than she is now. She is my wife now, fully. And this is the truth about our salvation. The moment you came into relationship with Jesus, you pronounced your faith in him, you gave your life to him, in that moment, you became saved. Jesus covered you with his blood, and you can't be more saved in 20 years if you're just really repentant all the time. That's not how this works. You're not trying to gain any more position of sanctification with the Lord. What a contrite spirit and heart does is it gives you an appropriate relationship with God. Now, let me show you this, because the truth is Emily doesn't live her life to try to gain position of being, of being my wife. She doesn't do that anymore, but let me tell you what she does do. Her character and her actions have changed now that she's become my wife. Once she became Mrs. Whitfield, she doesn't go and give her phone number out to other guys. She doesn't entertain relationships anymore, right? Her behavior has changed, not in attempts to gain position, but because she has gained position, she has changed. So this is what a Christian's life looks like. We're contrite before the Lord. We live a repentant life, not because we're trying to gain something from God, but because we have been given such a valuable position. And when we stand before a holy God, we realize who we are in relationship to that. And I want to share, you, share this example with you. This is probably the most beautiful representation and picture of a contrite heart. It's found in Isaiah chapter 6. You don't have to go there, um, but we know that Isaiah sees the Lord, right? Remember that story where Isaiah saw the Lord? He says, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What did Isaiah say right after that? He said, woe is me, <laughs> for I am undone. 
I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. What is that? That is a contrite spirit. That is a contrite heart saying this, oh my goodness, God, I'm looking at you and I'm realizing how sinful I am. I'm realizing the difference between Dominic and the most holy God. I'm realizing that I am not God, and I'm realizing that I need you, God, or else I would die. It's this realization of who God is and who you are, walking in a contrite heart and spirit. This is what Isaiah chapter 57 says, and I, I love this so much. And I think this is, this is motivation enough to pursue living in a humble and contrite heart. It says this in verse 15 of Isaiah chapter 57. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Can we just pause and just like, what? oh my goodness, man, Dion, write a song about that right there. That's amazing. Like, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. This is what God is saying. I dwell in the high and holy place. Watch this. This is so awesome. With him who has a contrite and humble spirit. That, like, if, if you are contrite and humble before the Lord, guess where you reside? <laughs> you reside with him high in that, in, that, in that high and holy place. It says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. This is, this is so amazing because we know the Bible says this, that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And when we try to, when we try to project some some kind of like, oh yeah, I'm Dominic, I'm bad, I'm, I'm awesome, I, I haven't messed up in 12 minutes, man, I haven't sinned in a long time, I'm good, right? And when we have this prideful arrogance about us, God cannot allow us to reside with him in this high and holy place. But it's only when we're, we approach him humbly with a contrite spirit that we are seated with him, with him who has a con humble and contrite spirit. I dwell in the high and holy place, that's so beautiful. And he says this, to revive the spirit of of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. This is so amazing because this is like, this is when you get into like the cyclical nature of knowing God. Because when you come and you're contrite before the Lord, right, you live a repentant life before the Lord. This verse says that, that he revives the heart, he revives your heart. That word revive literally means to bring back to life again. And this is what we see played out in the life of David. David messes up. We just read in Psalms 51. He says, clean my heart, O God. I'm sorry, right? He was contrite before the Lord. And what happens? The Lord revives his heart. He makes him alive again. Saul messes up and he is proud against the Lord and says, listen, I just want the people to think I'm good. And he doesn't get revived. <laughs> but he loses his kingdom, right? And so when we come to the Lord humbly and we come and say, Lord, just like Isaiah said, woe is me for I am unclean. When we come and, uh, and, give, our, and give God our sin, our mistakes and say, God, I repent for doing that. I repent for, for saying that or thinking that way. God, would you, would you wash over me? Would you make me new? When we approach God that way, the Bible says that he literally revives our life. He brings us back to life. But when you approach and you live a life that is unrepentant or arrogant or proud, he can't do anything with that. It's only when we live a contrite heart that God can not only make us alive, but he knows us in the process of that. To be known by God is to be made alive by God. 
This is so powerful. And, and, and this isn't something that like, like I said at the beginning, I don't want to, I'm not preaching a gospel that says we have to walk around like sad all the time. That's not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying is that when we shine a light on our mistakes, and when we shine a light and our, our hearts are broken and grieved over our mistakes, that's when God can do something with it. I fear that there's been this, I don't even like using this term, but this like sloppy grace type of message where, where, where we say that God's grace is so powerful that it doesn't matter what you do. And what happens is you have a lot of Christians living an unrepentant life or probably a better way of saying it, an unconvicted life, right? Because when you get around your old self and you start doing what you used to do, does anybody else have that pit that just forms inside of them and the Holy Spirit convicts you and you're just like, oh, this is gross. But unfortunately, many Christians, they've bought into a gospel that says you can ignore that because what happens is the grace is just going to cover and it's going to be all good. You don't have to worry about that. And you have Christians that have, have moved away from that repentant life and they just, they're not humble. They're not contrite before the Lord. And, and that's not to say that they're going to hell, because I don't believe that. I believe that God's grace is sufficient, and I believe that, like I said, when we're saved, when, God, when Jesus covers, us, covers our sins with his blood, there's not a power in hell that can uncover us from his blood. But what I do understand is this, that when you, when you choose to live that way here on earth, you're distant from the Lord. You might get to heaven, but you're not going to know God here. You might, you might make it to heaven one day, but man... Like, why do you want to make it to heaven that way? I, I love what Jesus says, and I've, I've quoted a few, a few times in, in, in John 17. He says, this is eternal life. This is eternal life. It's not making it to heaven. It's not going to a place. This is eternal life that they may know you. And this is the goal. This is the goal now, and this is the goal then when we get to heaven. This is always going to be the goal that we may know God and that we may be known by him. That's the goal. That's the end game. And so the idea is this, that in order to know him, we have to approach a holy God and say, woe is me, I'm unclean. Would you cleanse me again, God? Here's the last thing, I'll give it to you. Tremble at his word. Tremble at his word. This is, man, this is so good. Um, you know, I preached on the fear of the Lord a few Sundays ago, and if you haven't heard it, check it out. If you don't want to listen to my message, I would recommend you read the book, The All of God by John Bevere. Oh man, that book's messing me up. He, it's, it's just amazing. But I thoroughly, thoroughly believe that the fear of the Lord is, is returning to the church. And this is a part of how I, why I feel like I'm just learning about who God is now. Because I, I realize that I have lived the majority of my life without the fear of the Lord. Wasn't fearful of him. And it's not like you're afraid of God, and, and I can't get too much into that now. But, but the, this fear of the Lord is understanding that he is God, you're not. You're not here to question him. Like, it's, it, it's a whole thing. I won't get into it. But, but here's, here's, here's how you can, you can break up the fear of the Lord in these two ways. That you can, well, I'll say it this way, tremble at his presence and you tremble at his word. That's kind of a good overview of the fullness of the fear of the Lord, to tremble at the presence of God. And here's a good example. When we come into worship and we begin worshiping the Lord, that we're not just like, oh, I'm on, I'm on my phone, I'm just blah, 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 whatever. Like when the presence of God is in the room, he's in the room and he should be feared, right? He should be honored, he should be revered, he should be acknowledged, right? You don't like walking into a room and no one acknowledges you. 
Like, that doesn't feel good. So, like, the, you tremble at his presence, and you're like, oh, the almighty God just walked into the room. I have to conduct myself accordingly. And then to tremble at his word is to not just read the Bible and take out the parts that you don't like and, like, you know, just kind of, oh, yeah, this is just good. This is good life advice. And all. No, no, no. This is the word of God. And it should be honored and set above anything else in your life, right? And so to tremble at the word of the Lord is to regard his word as holy and the highest priority. To tremble at the word of God is to regard his word as holy and the highest priority, the highest priority. I want to share with you this story about a priest named Eli who made a big mistake, and it was in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. We're going to read it. But this is really how Samuel came into his ministry because he shouldn't have been in, the, in ministry, really. Eli, the Lord promised Eli the priest that Eli and his sons would reign forever as priests. And this is the promise that God made to Eli. But, so Samuel wasn't even his son. He wasn't even supposed to be one of the, head, one of the, one of the priests. But, but this is what happened is in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, we see this, that the sons of Eli were corrupt they did not know the Lord. Hophni and Phinehas were the two sons of Eli, and they were taking advantage of their position. They were committing adultery. They were robbing people. Like, they were some wicked, wicked men, and they, would, they, were, they were dishonoring the Lord. And the Bible says that they did not know the Lord. That's a, whole, that's a whole different thing we can get into. But here's what it says. It goes on to say this in verse uh, 29 of 1 Samuel chapter 2. He says this, this is what the Lord says to Samuel. He says, why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me? Why do you honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offering, offerings of Israel, my people? Verse 30 says, therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those, now please hear this, this is so powerful. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. That word despise means this, to think lightly of. Those who think lightly of God and his word will be lightly esteemed. That phrase means literally small or insignificant. Oof. I do not want to be small or insignificant when God thinks of me. I don't want him to consider me of little, uh, of little significance because I have disregarded his word. And this is what happened. This is what we see with Eli, that Eli received the word of the Lord. The Lord told him to correct his sons, and he just, yeah, don't do that, boys. Knock it off. And he disregarded the word of the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 29, go back to 29, that he honored his sons more than he honored God. Anything that you put in your life as priority over the word of God, you honor more than him. Anything that you exalt above the word of God, you honor more than him. And the Bible says this, that when we disregard God, when we treat God as insignificant, then he, is, he lightly esteems us. That's such a nice way of putting it. 
There is a, there is a, a testimony in, in one of the books that I'm reading, and somebody comes to this, this pastor, and he's like, hey, you know, I've been, I've, been, uh, I've been, you know, I'm a single guy. I've been sleeping around. I've just been kind of fornicating a little bit. Um, you know, I kind of feel bad about it, but, you know, I'm, I'm single, so it just is what it is. And, and, and the pastor starts talking to him about this, and he's like, oh, well, no, 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 pastor, I'm not even here to talk about that. I wanted to ask you a question. Why is God not blessing my business? And the pastor's like, well, what? Because, because you're, you're, light, you're, you're, you're disregarding the word of God. You don't think highly or value the word of God. You value your emotions or, or what you want to do more than you value the word of God. And so why should God, why should God think highly of your business? Why should God care about your business? You don't care about his word. And he says, listen, you have to start there. You have to take the word of God and you have to tremble at his word. When you open that thing up, there is no compromise. There is no, oh yeah, I don't like this part. I want to take that part out. Oh God, I disagree with you here. There is none of that. You open the word of God and you say, anything that this book says is the most important thing in my life. I tremble at the word of God. And, and, the, and, God, and the Bible says that God will honor us. When we honor his word, he honors us. And so this is the idea here, church. If you want God, if you want to be known by God, if you want to be a significant individual in God's, in God's, um, in God, in God's family, right? And, and hear me when I say this. I don't think God ever thinks anyone is like, doesn't care for anyone or insignificant. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there are very clear distinctions between relationships that God has with people. When you read the Old Testament, you see that God was close to Abraham, unlike anyone else. God was close to Moses, unlike anyone else. God was close to David, unlike anyone else. God had, you know, he loves everybody, but he's close to those who fear him. He's close to those who tremble at his word. He is a friend of those who, who honor him above all else. And, and what I desire for you, church, is that you would be like an Abraham, you would be like a David. You would be like one of these people who's not just, I'm not just your average Christian. I just don't go to church and read my Bible once a day. And I, I don't just do that. I know the Lord and he knows me. That's my desire for my life. And I hope it's your desire for your life. Because it's not just enough to come here, hear a good word, read your Bible once in a while. But knowing God and being known by him has to be the center of our life. It has to be everything about us. And if you want God to take you seriously, you have to take his word seriously. If you want him to honor you, you have to honor his word. And this is what it means to tremble at the word of God. It's not as scary or as bad as it sounds, but, but it is looking at the word of God and saying there's not an opinion on this planet that matters. And this is, this is what you'll find. When you start doing this, this is what I found. When you start doing this, you'll find that the fear of the Lord removes from your life any other fear that you might have. Like, the, like when you read the word of God and you're like, you know, you, you're like, man, I want to make some changes in my life because I feel convicted by the word, but I don't know what my, my husband or wife is going to think or my boss might not appreciate this or, or my friends might make fun of me. Like when you have these fears and insecurities because your desire is to honor the Lord, man, when you get a hold of the fear of the Lord, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. 
It doesn't matter what your parents think, what your friends think. It doesn't matter what people think because, because their opinion is not above the word of God. The word of God reigns supreme in your life. And you say, you could think about me any type of way you want to, but I'm concerned with how God thinks about me. I'm concerned with him. And when I honor his word, I have a promise in the Bible that says he's gonna honor me. So you can think of me however you want, but his word is the only word that I'll tremble at. You know, we have it good here in America where we're not persecuted for our faith or we can come here freely and worship the Lord, but you hear stories of Christians all around the world that get persecuted for their faith. I heard a story the other day of, of I think it's, it's uh, somewhere in China, but there was this lady that was in prison in China and, and they, the Bible's illegal there and so they couldn't have the Bible and um, they write the Bible, handwritten on little notes and pass it around, but as soon as those notes are discovered, they, they take them. And so what this lady did, she said, yeah, I just got this note and I just memorized the whole chapter of the Bible or a whole book of the Bible because you have to memorize it because if you don't memorize it, it's going to get taken and you won't have it. And so, so for them, even if they get thrown in prison, even if they get killed, even if everybody disowns them or everybody walks away from them, the word of God is above. It's more important. And as Christians in America, this is where I want us to get to. I don't want to see persecution happen for us to get here. I want, us to, I want us to hold the word of God in reverence and honor and high esteem so that we can be brought close to God and that he can take us seriously. So know the Lord and be known by him. Could you stand with me tonight as we close? This is how you're known by God. You walk humbly before him not faking it, not pretending you're somebody that you're not. Like, it's okay. It's okay if your life's a little, a little shaky right now. It's okay. The only thing that's wrong is when you lie about it to God. You can lie about it to me. I, I don't mind. You can lie about it to the person next to you. But when you get before the Lord, don't pretend like everything's okay. Turn off the Christianese. Stop praying the New King James Version and open up your heart to the Lord for real. Like, really tell him what's going on. And I pray tonight that we all would live our lives with a contrite spirit. We're not whipping ourselves and beating ourselves up for messing up. Like I said, that's not what we're talking about here. But just like Isaiah, and this is, this, this is how it's cyclical, right? Because just like Isaiah saw the Lord and he said, woe is me. And then Isaiah 57, the Bible says that God loves the contrite because he can revive them. And then when he revives us, we're made alive, and then guess what? It's not going to take you long to mess up again. And when you mess up, you come before the Lord, and you can be like, Lord, I need you to make me alive again. <laughs> and it's this cycle. But, but if you're not careful, it can be a cycle in the opposite direction where you keep going further and further from the Lord because you keep trying to hide and, and cover up all of your stuff. Now, I think of Adam and Eve in the garden. They messed up, and they ran away. They created distance there, and and God said, where are you? <laughs> I wonder what would have happened if Adam went straight to the Lord and said, God, I messed up. I messed up. Would you forgive me? I wonder what that would have looked like, right? I don't, we don't know. Because he ran away. Don't be a person that runs away. Tries to hide and cover. Be like David and say, 
Search me and know me, God. (laughs) Everything's open to you. Nothing's hidden. And then finally, does anybody have a Bible? Do you have a Bible I can borrow? Mine's in my book bag. Anybody have a paper Bible? Oh, no one brought their Bible to church. Yeah, you got one. Thank you so much. English and Spanish? That's amazing. It's okay. I'm not going to read it. I love this. Man, you... Listen, I'm just going to say this. You know that you're dealing with a real Christian when you've got a Bible like this. You know? It's worn. It's creased. You know you love the Lord. But, like, the Word of God right here. Can I open it? Is that okay? Oh, I can't read this. Yeah. This is Spanish. I'm not going to try. But to tremble at the Word of God. Like, we're not, just, we're not just waking up in the morning and be like, oh, Pastor Dominic's going to be mad if I don't get my chapter in. Okay, blah, 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 done. I'm going to work. We're not doing that. We're not those kind of Christians. We're the kind of Christians that open this up and say, God, would you reveal who you are to me? Would you correct me? Would you guide me? Would you give me wisdom and understanding? Would you give me the knowledge of the Lord? Your, your word is so valuable to us. We tremble at your word, Jesus. We honor your word. That's, there's not a voice on this planet that is more powerful and more significant than your voice, God. There is not words on this earth that can change, that can shape, that can mold, that can cast down and pull out and uproot. There's nothing that can do what your word can do. So we commit to tremble at your word, to move in obedience to your word. And here's the beautiful thing, church, when we do that, when we regard his word as holy and and we we lift it above, above everything else, this is the beautiful thing. God's word is only going to benefit you. God, God wants the best for you. Like, it can be a little fearful to like, like, okay, you're saying that I have to listen to the Bible? Yeah. And it can be hard sometimes. It can confront your flesh and be uncomfortable. But man, God only wants the best for you. Like, God's not out to try to just like make life hard for you. He, his word is here so that when you obey it, you sit back and you're like, oh my goodness, my life has never been better <laughs> My marriage has never been better. My relationships have never been better. My kids have never been better. Why? Because that's what this word is designed to do. When you have an appropriate relationship with the word of God, your life is better because of it. Thank you so much. Here, I'll give this back to you. It's a, you like a big hefty Bible. I like that. It's awesome. So let's do this. Let's just, let's just pray before the Lord as we close. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you for your word in Isaiah chapter 66, God. We thank you, Father, that you look toward us, that you look favorably toward your people when we walk humbly before you, God, when we have a contrite spirit before you, and when we tremble at your word. I pray that we wouldn't be like Saul or Eli who esteemed the opinions and words of other people over you, God. But let us be like David, like Abraham, like Isaiah, like Moses, like Daniel, like John the Revelator. Let us be like all of these incredible people, God, that saw you, that feared you, that trembled at your word, that that repented, lived a repentant life, God, that were humble before you.
blessed to know you, Jesus. We honor you and we worship you. In your name I pray. Everyone said. I want to leave you with this tonight. And we won't read it, but it's in Isaiah chapter 11. It says this, that Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. His delight was in the fear of the Lord. And I know I've been talking about the fear of the Lord a lot, and I know it might be a little intimidating for you guys and a little scary, and it's like, I don't want to fear God. But, but just if you could trust me as your pastor, know this, that what, if you would really embrace the fear of the Lord, what you'll realize is that your delight and your greatest joy is that you fear the Lord. It is a joy. It's not something, it's not something, it's not a burden. It is freedom. When you fear the Lord, it is freedom. All right, well, live right, love everyone, pray hard. Um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to have some pastors come up here. And if you, if you need any prayer, if you're going through anything here tonight and you're like, man, I need somebody to agree with me. Maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus. You're watching online or you're here with us tonight and you've never given your heart to him. Man, we want to make sure we give you an opportunity to do that before you leave as well. So um, just come forward if you're dealing with anything, if you need prayer or agreement or anything like that um, before you go that way. But yeah, we'll see you all Sunday. Remember to live right, love everyone, pray hard, and we'll see you guys next time. Have a good one.